Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Two weeks ago, we left Jesus in a dialogue with His followers. You go, His followers? Well, this was not a crowd who followed Him Because he was the Messiah. What we need to wrap our minds around is that they were following him because they were thrill seekers looking for another free lunch. That's all they were. They they knew what Jesus had did up at the feast. And they were like, man, he did some miracles. We know that he raised him. We heard that he turned water into wine. And so they're following him. And you remember, they had just been fed, right? And so they're following him. And if you recall, they followed Jesus from Tiberias, right? A little bit up north. They followed him back to Capernaum. And when they found him there, they asked him this question, Rabbi, when did you get here? Like, we know you're, you, you know, we left you over there, and when did you get here? And what Jesus does is he reminds their hearts that they were following him. Now listen, because they were hungry and they wanted another free meal. Well, let me stop right there, okay? Part of my introduction. But we have to be so careful that we don't follow Jesus just because he has all the toys. Or he has free meals, or we want to be blessed, we use that word a lot. Be, be blessed, brother. Be blessed. But, but that's not why we follow Jesus, right? We follow Jesus not because he makes life better. We follow Jesus because he's better than life. And so, again, they're following him for a free meal. Okay? But the folks were a little bit sneaky. You don't know anybody like that, do you? you what do you mean? Guys, they bring up their famous prophet Moses who fed their ancestors, you remember, manna in the desert for 40 years, right? So they go, hey, Moses, you remember our Moses? Moses, Do you remember our Moses? Well, Moses spoke of another prophet who would do the same, who would feed. And so they come looking to Jesus to see if he would satisfy their physical hunger. So, so they're, they're a little bit sneaky. They're going, hey, listen, we're looking for a free meal. And so, um, Hey, you know, Moses did this, and Moses talked about another prophet. Are you the other prophet? I mean, because, listen, we had lunch, but it's breakfast, and I'm hungry. And Jesus begins teaching and explaining to them that he was indeed the bread of life. And he tells them that I am the one that came down from heaven, right? That's what we talked about two weeks ago. Their response was, then they said to him in verse 34, Lord, give us this bread always. Right? And we're kind of the same way. We would think, hey, hey, listen, listen, I'm hungry. Well, I'm the bread of life. Well, then I want to eat. I mean, come on. And then Jesus says in verse 35, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you, and you have seen me, and you do not believe. Now, here's what I want you to catch, guys, as we get into our story. Jesus is having this dialogue. Now, you've got to understand the heart of Jesus. He loves them and he wants them saved. Can I get an amen? He, that's his heart, right? And that should be our heart too. Yesterday at Men's Fellowship, the one thing that we um, was pointed out that really touched my heart, Josh said, you know, one of the words was that, was that some of the people that, that we dialogue with are, were our POWs. You know, we kind of, they're, they're prisoners, Satan kind of has them, and we want to win them to the Lord, and we sort of look at him like, I'm going to win the argument, and we forget to see them as, a, as, as somebody who's trapped or in the snare of the enemy. And so Jesus' heart is always looking beyond that, guys. 
And so Jesus tells these, these thrill seekers, these hungry people, he says, guys, you've seen the miracle. He says, but you really haven't believed. I'm here, and you haven't believed. Now, we need to understand what John is talking about, right? Because you and I take that word for granted, believe. Do you believe that the sun will come up tomorrow? We don't even doubt it, do we? Well, it'll come up. Well, it might be some clouds, but I know above the clouds, the sun will come out tomorrow. We know that, right? We believe it. We believe that if we get in an airplane and we've paid the money and we sit down and we buckle ourselves, we believe that airplane's going to take off and get us to our destination. Now, yes, I understand there's some doubts, yet, right? You're in the middle of the airplane. And you're like, oh, it's shaking. We're all going to die, you know? But for the most part, we really believe. So we, we've got to understand what John is talking about when he says believe, okay? Now, he uses this word believe, and it's believing for salvation. If you're taking note, he uses it over a hundred times in this gospel. So we really need to believe. You go, what does it mean? Well, it's a Greek word made up of three Greek words, okay? The word, it's, it's, it's this one word made up of three, Okay, and the first Greek word is pisteo, okay, pisteo, and it means to have faith in, now listen, in respect to a person, in respect to a person, not to have faith in your chair, I have faith in my chair, it's going to hold me, but as in a person to entrust, to entrust. That's what John employs. But there's the other second Greek word, it's pistis, and it's to be persuaded, Persuaded, you have pisteo, you have pistis, and it means to be persuaded to have reliance upon Christ for salvation. That's where you go, okay, I rely. I'm going to rely. I'm persuaded that's who he is. There's been a lot of false messiahs that have come our way in our, in our, in our world, haven't they? Somebody stands up. I mean, even today there's people standing up, I'm Jesus, I'm the Christ, and we have no pistis. We have no, we're not persuaded in him. We know that 2,000 years ago, the only one, Yahshua, the Meshach, Jesus Christ, the anointed one came. And the third, and this is key, guys, is Pitheo, P-E-I-T-H-O. And you go, what does it mean? To be convinced with confidence. Do you have that confidence? You have that confidence. Are you convinced? So John says, so Jesus looks at his crowd and he goes, guys, listen, I've shown you who I am, and you don't, you haven't put your faith in me? You haven't been persuaded with any reliance upon me, and you are not convinced with confidence. He said, you don't believe. You don't believe. And so Jesus finishes his discourse in verse 40, and he says, this is what my father wants, that anyone who sees the son and trusts who he is, that's the first one, and what he does, that's the second one, and aligns himself will enter real life, eternal life. And if that's you, in the last day, he says, I'm going to raise them up again. That's salvation. That's salvation. So that's where Jesus finishes. That's where we left off two weeks ago. Well, today we're going to see part one of their reaction. How are they going to react to this? This is a hard saying. Now, remember, they're in a dialogue. I want you to I want you to feel the weight of what's going on here. They're thrill seekers. They're looking for another meal. They really, they've heard that the Meshach, their Messiah, is coming. They don't know it's him. But they know that he's doing some miracles, and I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Let's get some food on the table, Jesus. Come on. My little ones are hungry. I don't want to go all the way back home. I, I crossed the, the, the sea from Tiberias to here. Jesus, come on. Deliver. Deliver. Come on. And that's what they're looking for. And so we're, this is their reaction. Now, church, I'm calling this message. You ready? You are what you eat. 
You are what you eat. And you go, what do you mean? Well, guys, today we discover that Jesus tells us that in order for us to have eternal life, we must eat and drink his flesh and his blood. And this is a hard saying to those who are there. I want you to think about it. Can you imagine? All right, as your pastor, here's how you're going to, you need to eat my flesh. Everybody's like, I'm out. I'm out. There ain't nobody eating nobody around here, man. There's no stinking way. See, they didn't understand the context of what Jesus was talking about. As a matter of fact, the early church, well, the people accused the early church of something called cannibalism. They're like, man, we're not going to join the way. That's what they used to call it. We're not going to join the way because all those dudes, all they do is eat. They're just eating people. I mean, this is crazy. You want to be a Christian? Do I have to eat somebody? You have to eat the Lord. No, I'm not going to be a Christian. And, and so they were all tripping out about that, right? But they didn't understand that Jesus was talking about the spiritual and not the physical. So here's the question we got to ask ourselves this morning. If it's true, we are what we eat, then what are you eating? What are you eating? How will you react to what Jesus just taught us? How are you going to react? I mean, let's talk about this for a moment, guys. Listen, church, that's a question that our text implicitly wants us to consider. What are you eating? Not physically, but spiritually. What are you spiritually eating? We hear a lot of these days of the importance of a healthy diet. I get it, right? I think this is probably about the worst time to go on a diet, right? December, that's like the worst time. You know, you start looking in the mirror, you start going, oh, yeah, I got to do something. I'm going to go on a diet. And then all of a sudden, the holidays come around and cookies and and fudge and all this stuff. But January 1st, okay, January 2nd, because January 1st is still a holiday, okay? People still eat. Okay, January 3rd. We'll just do 3rd. We'll just... Okay, eighth. We're just gonna. I mean, and again. So, but but think about it. We all we all know the importance, right? We all know that. That's why the gyms are packed next year. You are what you eat, and a lot of us Americans eat a lot of junk food. The problem is, is they result in a lot of serious but unavoidable health problems, and most of us could benefit from being careful what we eat. And you go, Amen. I didn't get one Amen on that, so. There we go. Okay, that's what I was looking for, Brother Joe. There we go. But it's the same spiritually, isn't it, church? If we gorge ourselves on the latest movies or on the fanfare that's offered every night on TV and you seldom are fed from the Bible, don't be surprised that you're, what? That you're not spiritually healthy. We have to be careful. If your spiritual intake consists of maybe a sugary devotional every now and then, like we like a donut on the run, an occasional sermon when you aren't doing something else on Sunday, don't be surprised if you start feeling spiritually sluggish. It's the same thing, right? Because why? You are what you eat. Well, Jesus says, I'm going to take this even deeper. I want to take it even deeper. You are what you eat. So in John chapter 6, after he fed the 5,000 with the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus repeatedly offers himself as the spiritual food that gives us eternal life. So everybody got it, right? So we know that physically we are what we eat. We get that. Pastor Ben, I don't want a sermon on, on, on the donuts I'm eating or the cookies I'm eating. I don't want to. <clears throat> but spiritually, I need to make sure that I'm not on a sugary substance. Spiritually, I'm not just getting a sugary devotional. But then Jesus is going to take it deeper, right? He says, okay, so I want to make sure that you guys understand you are what you eat. And he repeatedly offers himself as the spiritual food that gives eternal life and eternal satisfaction to all those who eat. 
In John 6, 27, he tells us, do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. Then in verse 32, he says, then Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. And then verse 33, he says, For the bread of God is that which comes down from out of heaven and gives life to the world. And in verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. So he's talking, help me church, he's talking spiritually, isn't he? It's not, I mean, Jesus, I am the bread of life. Wow, we're gonna have, what are we going to do? We have to kill you and cut you up? What? I mean, no, he's talking spiritually. Now, if you're taking note, guys, let me break this teaching down in three ways. It'll help you out. Number one, jot this down. Feeding on Jesus by faith is necessary for eternal life. We're going to see that in this next section. Feeding on Jesus by faith is necessary for eternal life. Number two. Feeding on Jesus by faith is necessary for temporal sustenance. Temporal sustenance. And then three, feeding on Jesus by faith is necessary for temporal and eternal, here's the word, satisfaction. So you got eternal life, you got temporal sustenance, and now you got temporal and eternal satisfaction. Those are the three things we will see, and we'll also pull out some nuggets of truth. So, picking it up in verse 41, you are what you eat, spiritually, note their reactions. Verse 41, the Jews then complained about him, because he said, I am the bread which comes down from heaven, and they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? whose father and mother we know? How is it that he says, I have come down from heaven? Guys, do you see this? The very first reason we see that they're having a hard time, what's the first thing that we see? They start to complain. They start to complain. Are you serious? Now, the Jews are not the, he's not talking about the the whole crowd anymore. He's zeroing in on those who are now complaining and murmuring. Some of your translations will say murmur. It says, now they're complaining. What are they complaining about? They just got fed. And now what are they complaining about? Well, let me give you the first reason we see that we're having a hard time or they're having a hard time with Jesus. You ready? Jot this down. They're focused on the externals. They're focused on the externals. You go, what do you mean? Notice what it says. It says, and is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, the father we know and mother? How is it he says, I come down? Here's what they're really mad at. First of all, they're mad is that it's not that he says that I am the bread of life. He says that I've come down from heaven, right? Because now they're going, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? And so the first reason is they're focused on externals because this is too familiar. This is too familiar, right? They argued, they argued, isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this Joseph? We know Joseph. He was the carpenter's little boy. I remember coming to see Joseph and Jesus would be running around and he'd scrape his knee and he, he was just, this is crazy. How in the world can he say he's come down from heaven? How can he say that? Here's why. You guys remember? 
they were expecting, or they were expecting a different Messiah. They were expecting a different Messiah. They were looking externally for something else that they completely missed him. You go, why? Because he didn't fit their external view of what they thought the Messiah would be. They had a preconceived idea of how Jesus should look, be, and act. And now here comes Jesus on the scene. They're like, what? He didn't fit, guys, their picture of a Messiah. They were so familiar with him that they wouldn't listen to what he said. The same thing happens to you guys. You go, what do you mean? Well, think about it. Family won't listen to you because they go, yeah, we know. We used to party the same time. We used to do the same. Yeah. Oh, you're a Christian now, sure. And, and you're just so familiar that they're looking at you and they just don't get it. They're missing it. But here's what I love. I love that you guys keep walking closer with Jesus because it can work the other way. You go, what do you mean? You have such a radical change in your life that, that, that people stand back and they're amazed and they're going, how does this, how can this be? You used to be, what? All the way through high school, you used to, I mean, you were known as beating up on people and now you're, you're praying with them and you're hugging them. Guys, it's, it, it, it can change, but, but here's the question. Is your life so radical that people are like, are you serious? Or have they gotten too familiar with you? <laughs> yeah, he's going to preach about Jesus again, yeah. I see, how, I see how he is, but he doesn't really live it, so we've got to be careful. This is what's going on, okay? Let's be, let's be that radical change. Notice how Jesus responds, verse 43. Jesus, therefore, answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves. Do not complain. Okay, let's stop right there for just a second. Could, could we agree? Could we agree to try to, 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 to tackle 2018 without complaining? I think we are all, everyone included, guys, we just complain about everything, don't we? And I'm looking and I'm thinking, this is exactly like the Exodus. Don't you think? This is exactly. Why? Guess what happened? They were getting manna from heaven, and what did they do? They complained. Is this all we get? Moses, man, we want to go back to Egypt. There was leeks there, melons. All they did is complain. Throughout the whole Exodus, all they did, help me, church. All they did is complain. And, and, and we get that way too, don't we? We get that way too. We drive up, yeah, let me have a hamburger with no pickles. And you get it home, and guess what? I can't believe there are pickles. I put pickles in this. And you, you know, you're throwing fries are flying up in the air because, and all we do is complain. Here's what I want. Here, here, listen, look, 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 look. Jesus, therefore, answered him. He says, Jesus tells us, don't murmur among yourself. Let's not complain anymore. Let's not complain. It's really easy to complain. Yesterday, yesterday. Okay, I'm driving to Men's Fellowship, and I get in my car, right, and I have my Vinti, right, coffee with white chocolate mocha flavoring, and I'm sitting there, right, and I put it there, and I'm driving, right, and I think to myself, it's going to spill here, I better put it in the slot a little bit better closer to the radio, you know what I'm talking about, and I'm going like this, well, I am known as Butterfingers, so I pick it up, I hit the gear shift, guess what? <laughs> that hurts. 
I mean, I was ready to cry. I'm like looking at my coffee and the steam rising up. And I'm like this. No, I wasn't like that. I'm just kidding. But I had a choice at that point, don't I? I could complain, which I really felt like. I believe this. Right? Or I could just laugh. <laughs> you know, my wife would laugh. I'm such a butterfingers. Such a butterfingers. And they laugh at me. One day, one time I, on my counter, I spilt a protein shake. I mean, it was like right there. I'd, and I'd knocked it over. And I'm like, it didn't go on the floor. So I got a straw. And I was like, <laughs> and they laughed at me because I'm such a butterfingers. Here's the point. Let's not complain. Let's try not to. Let's try to see the good. And you go, how am I going to do that? Well, let's purpose in our hearts right now. Say, Lord, in 2018, I want to, I don't want to complain as much. Yeah, not everything's going to go good, but Jesus said, don't murmur among yourselves. Uh, completely out of context, but let's jump back in, this, in, in the text. Therefore, Jesus answered and said to them, right? Do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up in the last day. Now, here's what I want you to see, guys. Verse 44 now starts to make an important statement about what? About salvation and conversion. You go, how so? Look at it again. No one can come to Jesus unless the Father who sent me draws him. Draws him. That's the very first thing. We need to see that it's God who does the drawing. Okay? Listen, if you're here today and you are saved... It's because Jesus, because the Father had already draw, he, he, he drew you into his presence. There's not some of us blind going, I just got saved. I don't know what happened. No, Lord had already, the Lord had already began working. And, and that's what he says. Look at verse 40, 45. It is written in the prophets that when, that they shall be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learn from the Father it comes to me. Everybody say heard and learned. Thank you. You guys are awesome, man. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Now he's claiming to be God, right? Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Now here's what I love about what Jesus is saying. He's actually giving us steps to conversion. You go, what do you mean? Well, it always starts with the Father. The Father always initiates that, right? He draws people. He speaks through his spirit. 27 people last week got up and came forward in Amarillo, and I had nothing to do with it. Because God is, I mean, you know, people go, whoa, whoa, what a gift you're me. I'm just like, I just go, hey, anybody want to get saved? You know, God's already moving. People like, come forward. And people, I, it, anyways. It's God who starts, right? Look at verse 45, right? We, we said that. Verse 45 says what? Well, the first one is he draws. Number two, those who hear and faith cometh how? By hearing the word. So then all of a sudden they begin to hear. And then the word learn there, you guys heard, learn, heard and learned. The word learn there literally means understands. And so what happens? The father begins to draw. You begin to hear his voice and you begin to understand. <gasps> Yes, I am a sinner. And what happens, guys, is the third one, verse 47 says, and they, what, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life, right? So they believe, and it results in everlasting life. Here you can see the conversion. God the Father, you guys hear his voice, you understand, and then you make that commitment. 
That's how salvation happens, okay? You've heard me say a thousand times that words alone aren't sufficient to save. You can pray a prayer all day long. This is how it happens. This is how it happens. So the first thing is that Jesus tries to get them to understand that the Father is drawing to them. So we know what's the first, what's the first problem? They're focused on externals. Jot this down. Here's the second problem. They were focused on the physical instead of the spiritual. Okay, first one, externals. Second one, oh, they're focused on physical, not the spiritual. Look at verse 48. He says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give him is my flesh, which... I shall give for the life of the world. Okay, do you see the contrast here that Jesus is presenting? Okay, you, they're, they're constantly focused on the physical. They're not thinking spiritual, so Jesus has to reel them in, and he's going he's gonna to contrast, right? What is he contrasting? Well, he's contrasting the manna that was provided by God out in the wilderness. He says, guys, you ate that manna, right? What did you eat? You had manna, banana bread, and you still died? You had manicotti, and you still died. You know what I'm talking about, right? You had uh, whatever else. He says, he says it, it, it quenched for a specific time. And see, the manna was meant to sustain you for a time of hungering while you wandered in the wilderness. That's what it was for. But here's the contrast Jesus just said. The contrast, he says, but I am the what? the bread of life, and this is meant to what? To satisfy a deeper hunger. It's the hunger of the heart, not the stomach. You ever go somebody say, you hungry, bro? You hungry? Oh, man, I'm starving. How cool would that be is if we said, man, if we had our, our, our hearts so hungry, and you know, oh, I can satisfy that hunger in your heart. And you've seen people, Right? You've seen people who are going, man, they're just not satisfied with anything. You have people on this side who have all kinds of money. They have everything they want. I mean, to them, Christmas is like, unless they spend 20 grand, it's not Christmas. And they're still not satisfied, are they? Because they miss the point of Christmas. And over here, you have people go, I don't have anything. We don't, you know, we don't have 20 bucks to spend on Christmas. And they still miss it because Christmas is now, uh, not about the 20 bucks, is it? It's about Jesus. And they're not satisfied because it's only Jesus who can satisfy the hunger of the heart. And I want you to note the promise in verse 51. Notice what he says. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he's going to live forever. And the bread that I shall give him is my flesh, for which I shall give for the life of the world. So, we need to be clear, guys, on what Jesus means here. You guys see that? He said, this is my flesh. You need to eat that. We need to be clear here what Jesus means, and we need to take it to heart. Here's the lesson. First point. Feeding on Jesus by faith is necessary for eternal life. You are what you eat. And if you eat the flesh of Jesus, you will be saved. Now we have to do some work real quick. Jesus says that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood to have eternal life. So before we examine what Jesus means, we need to look at what he doesn't mean, okay? Here's what I want to teach you. Remember, Jesus 
eating Jesus' flesh and drinking his blood does not refer to partaking of communion. That's not what it means. Most people go, oh, it's communion. Okay, so as long as I come up here and I get the cracker and I get the juice, that's not what he's talking about. Now, remember, remember our beautiful brothers and sisters in, in, in the Catholic Church believe in something called transubstibulation, and they actually believe that that actually turns into the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Well, Jesus isn't talking about that. What do you mean? Well, commentator E.W. Pink says this. First, communion at this point has not been instituted. Jesus institutes it on the night that he was betrayed. So it can't, he's not talking about communion. Number two, Jesus is speaking to who right now? Unbelievers and communion is for believers. You know, well, that makes sense. Third, eating here unto salvation or eternal life while eating the Lord's Supper is for those who have already been saved and points to fellowship. When we have communion, guys, that's what it means. It's koinonia. It's communion. So we know it's not communion. Eating Jesus' flesh and drinking his blood refers to what? Believing in or appropriating personally in his death on the cross as your only hope for eternal life. That's what it means. Hey, have you, have you ate of Jesus today? Amen. You did? Gave my life to Jesus. I'm saved. I'm saved. And you know how I know? I know that when I take my final breath, I don't know if it's going to be him personally or angels or whatever, but I know I'm going to be with him forever. And I'm going to walk on streets of goals. And, and, and all the people that, I, that love Jesus that come before me are going to welcome me. Hey, you made it. Well, we're shocked. No, I'm just kidding. So here's what I want you to note. Note the parallels, right? In John 6, 40, Jesus says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him, you guys know what believes means, will have eternal life. And I myself will raise them up in the last day. The requirement for eternal life is to what? To believe in Jesus. And the promised result is that you will have everlasting life and he will raise you up in the last day. What a great promise. Now, you guys remember what they asked, right? They asked, you are, you know, they asked them, um, what must we do to do the works of God? And what did he say? Just believe. Just put your faith and trust in him. Why? Because we are what we eat. So let's break this down, right? 52. The Jews, therefore, quarreled among themselves. Okay, here we go. These guys can't get it together. How can this man give us flesh to eat? Now, again, what are they they're focusing on? Physical. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will, have no, you will have no life in you. And whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up in the last day. Now, here's what it's worth noting, okay? Jesus is using a metaphor to illustrate spiritual truth about faith. Truth, faith is like what? Eating and drinking. So he's using eating and drinking as a metaphor, and these are the same exact results that chapter 6, verse 40, but instead of beholding the Son and believing in him, Jesus substitutes eating and drinking. Wow, that just makes sense. And verse 55, he says, why? For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Point number two, as we got to hurry. Feeding on Jesus by faith is necessary for temporal sustenance. Temporal sustenance. Look at verse 56. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, notice what he says, abides in me and I in him. 
the Greek verb for eats here, guys, is the present, um, it's a present verb looking on ongoing relationship between Jesus and the one who feeds on him. When you eat food, what happens? It actually becomes a part of you. When you feed on Christ by faith, you become more like him. And then you enjoy that close relationship with him. You guys heard of progressive sanctification, right? Progressive sanctification is the more you walk with Jesus, the more you become like him because you're feasting on him. We have to be careful that we don't have the WWJD, what would Jesus do, and, and not really understand that we need, to, we need to do what Jesus would do and be like Jesus as we grow in him. That's what he's talking about, right? He's going to, what, abides in me and I in him. As the living Father, verse 50, have sent me, verse 57, I live because of my Father. He who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever, right? Very, very clear what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, listen, you guys look to that and you're looking for a free meal and every one of them died. He says, partake of me spiritually, put your faith and trust in me, jump in with both feet, and he says, you're going to live forever. You're going to live forever. And these things he did at the synagogue as he taught there in Capernaum. Now, we're going to close with this, but I need to, I need to share this story. The first time I went to Israel, we went to the synagogue there where Jesus, they said Jesus is taught. Now, there's a synagogue there, okay, that they built over the synagogue that they actually thought Jesus taught. Well, the first time I went to Israel, they say, Pastor Ben, you're going to have the teaching here at Capernaum. You're going to teach this passage. And I was like, ah. So I was just, I kind of looked at it. I saw it was the bread of life. So the night before, when we went to dinner, in the hotel, they had a loaf of bread about this big. I mean, it was, it, you know, you, you, you could get the little ones that you'd put butter on and you'd have with your meal. This one was, I think it was probably more for show, <laughs> right? It was the big loaf of bread, right? And I, I said, I, I wonder if I could take one of those. And one of the ladies who was on the trip, she goes, I think we can. And so she grabbed it and she put it in her backpack and she saved it for me. And so we're sitting there right at Capernaum and this was the first time, right? We're sitting at Capernaum and I'm teaching and I'm going through this passage and I came to the place where I said, I am the bread of life. Whoever partakes in me will have eternal life. And at that point, I pull out this big loaf of bread and everybody in the group just got a little piece. And it was so cool because we're sitting right where Jesus said this. Jesus is talking spiritually and the bread physically was just a, just a reminder. And I'll never forget that. Let me give you the last one, guys. Let me give you the last one. Number three, feeding on Jesus by faith is necessary for what? Temporal and eternal satisfaction. In Matthew's account, in chapter 14, verse 20, the feeding of the 5,000, Matthew says this, quote, and they all ate and were satisfied. John says filled, but they all ate and were satisfied. So the question is, are you satisfied today? Is the hunger and the thirst in your heart quenched because of Jesus? Because why? Because feeding on Jesus by faith is necessary for the temporal and the eternal satisfaction. You go, what do you mean? 
are you satisfied with your walk here on earth? And, are you, and do you know where you're going? Is it, is, I'm, if somebody asks you at work tomorrow, hey, hey, how do you know you go to heaven? Are you have that full assurance? I mean, you're like, seriously? Absolutely. Why? What did you do? What kind of good stuff did you do, Mother Teresa? No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with that. You know what it has to do? I do nothing, man. Matter of fact, you heard the song, My Hands Are Dirty. I'm looking at my hands going, I can't lift my hands to the Holy One. And Jesus says, because you've been feasting on me, you can. And and your assurance in heaven is secure. Well, guys, as we come to a close, there were three reactions to the word of Jesus. Three reactions. You know what they are? Number one, many, many left and walked away from Jesus. They heard this and they're like, they left him. And it breaks my heart. Number two, one stayed till the end but ended up betraying him. We know who that was, right? But here's what I love. Many believed. Many believed. And so here's the question. What's your reaction? Do you believe? Do you believe? And you go, why, Pastor? Here's why. Because you are what you eat. You are what you eat. Father, we thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. We love you, Lord. Thank you, God. We want to feast on you today. We want to feast on you, Lord. We want the spiritual satisfaction of knowing, God, that we can partake in you at any time. We put our faith and trust in you, Jesus. And we thank you. We open up our hearts and we say, yes. Yes, I will eat the flesh of you, Lord, and the blood, metaphorically, by faith, trusting in you for my salvation. Oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.